RNZ National Midweek Media Watch, Colin Peacock, standing by. Hi, Colin. Hi there, Karen. COVID-19, what a day. I know, isn't it amazing? It certainly escalated uh, quickly. Um, That news on Tuesday of the two new cases. Um, Tim Murphy, the former Herald editor with the tongue-in-cheek, suggested the Herald could rerun that front page they had the day we had our first case of COVID-19, pandemonium in big capital letters, but um, they resisted the temptation to do that. But their email bulletin that came out a few hours back of wrapping up the day's news said our COVID-19 bliss has been shattered. Um, The Guardian right now actually is reporting internationally that uh, New Zealand and China have fresh outbreaks, which is not a nice word um, in this context. And, you know, their leaders face tough choices about, um, you know, how tightly they control the country. So, yeah, everything has certainly uh, pivoted with what's been going on, hasn't it? And Dr Ashley Bloomfield not happy. No, uh, it's interesting. In fact, he was um, at the News Hub at 6 tonight, uh, a few hours ago uh, at 6pm. That was quite something. And uh, yeah, Tova O'Brien pointing out, uh, the political editor there, that he was MIA in her words, you know, not fronting up, as we've seen him so many times, to face some difficult questions today. Uh, and your wrap-up earlier in the programme, you know, the army being called in. Uh, yeah, this is this is escalating for sure. And, I mean, Ashley Bloomfield, though, it was interesting because when the government was copping flack for refusing to grant compassionate exemptions and for people to attend funeral, uh, there was a court case, a guy called Oliver Christensen won the right to get the compassionate exemption. So when he announced the news yesterday, I think um, we'll have a clip of him here where I think you can hear in uh, Dr Ashley Bloomfield's voice, I think when he announced the news, he had a bit of a tone of, I told you so, for, for reporters. But today's news underscores the recent decision to not grant exemptions to attend funerals or tangihanga where there may be large groups of people present uh, under Alert Level 1. Yeah, they've got a few uh, questions to answer, haven't they? Well, I think so because, I mean, they came under heavy pressure. The Prime Minister referenced she actually said pressure from the courts, which forced them to grant these compassionate exemptions. But yeah, she the the um, they really didn't didn't want to have to do it, and there was a lot of pressure from the media. So, for example, uh, some of the broadcasters who kind of almost campaigned, I would say, on this uh, on the fifth of May. On the project on three, Patrick Gower, who's a special correspondent now for News Hub, uh, did a big feature on a woman called Hannah Macbeth, who uh, is uh, wanting to get out of isolation or was at that time uh, to be with a, a loved one with a terminal illness. And he had her directly sending a message by phone to the Prime Minister. She was saying basically, Jacinda, have a heart, let us out of this. And then Patrick Gower himself took it over and said, look, I know what it's like to be with a loved one with a terminal illness. We must not deprive people of this. They need those moments. Time is ticking. It's been called into question legally. Get them out of there and get them home to see their relatives. Do it tomorrow. It seems extraordinary, doesn't it, when they can't even be tested. Surely that's the simple solution to to getting them out those doors and getting them at those bedsides. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of them have plans to actually just go straight home, be it in a car or what have you, and just get it done. Give them a test, get them out of there. There's only 24 of them. Just do it. I don't know why it can't be done. 
Yeah, so that was Patrick Gower. They're really piling the pressure on. I don't know why this can't be done. Only 24 cases. And that woman, Hannah Macbeth, she actually did get an exemption. And uh, later, Patrick Gower was tweeting his own thanks to the New Zealand government. And um, Hannah then got back to Patrick Gower and he put out a tweet of hers, or message rather, to Patrick saying, um, that's great news, isn't it, Patrick? Thanks for your help. There are 22 other people in the same boat as me. You know, we will keep New Zealand safe, but we, we have to be doing it with our loved ones. So a lot of pressure on them. And just the following day, uh, this was May the 6th, uh, News Talk ZB's Heather Duplessy Allen found a woman who was in quarantine in a hotel in Auckland who said her mother was dying. She was too upset to actually come on the show, but she'd come from Australia to see her mum before it was too late, and she'd been denied an exemption. And this was uh, Heather Duplessy Allen's uh, reaction to that for her listeners. I don't know how we have ended up in this country with a health ministry so heartless and a Director General of Health who isn't sorry that this is happening. He says that his team are empathetic, but they are not. They have declined all requests for exemptions. I read the judgment this morning in the case of Oliver Christiansen, and it is obvious that the health ministry does not want to say yes. Either that or we have found a collection of the stupidest public servants in the country. Harsh. It's extremely harsh. And I mean, you know, heartless and the stupidest public servants in the world. You know, it's hard to believe that is a genuinely sincerely held view. Um, but you know, her, her partner, Barry Soper, is News Talk ZB's political editor. The day after that, in The Herald, uh, he was saying, uh, if we accept it's permissible to allow someone to die alone, it's a democracy I'm not happy to live in, and New Zealand is surely better than this. So, yeah, they were really piling it on. And, you know, I would like for some of these people uh, who, you know, have the, the kind of pulpit to, to put their own opinions, their own read on these situations, they're channeling the grief of people who find themselves in that awful position. And I would like, you know, to see some of them now re-examine that in the light of what's happening, because there sure are risks. None of them were saying they shouldn't let people out without being tested and without protocols being being uh, uh, followed. And Patrick Gower was very specific about that. You know, they should be tested and then uh, able to, to carry on uh, seeing their loved ones in these last moments, that ticking clock, as he put it. Um, but very little willingness of any of them to um, to re-examine that. In fact, the closest one I could find, this was um, Heather Duplessis-Ellen in her show uh, yesterday uh, on a kind of opinion slot called The Huddle, and she's talking to uh, one of the pundits there, a guy called Neil Miller. I just can't understand how the system allows people out of managed, self- out of self- uh, managed isolation sorry, and quarantine without a negative test. I mean, that seems to me to be a basic requirement that you would think should be in place. See, this is the major issue for me, is that these are all people that got in, basically, on humanitarian grounds. So it was for funerals, it was for um, grieving uh, their lost ones. And these are the sort of people that I was arguing for a week ago, saying, you know, we should be letting more of these people in. And yet four of these people have abused that hospitality. Mm, So, again... There's one guy. He's actually mainly a beer expert rather than a health expert, but you know he was giving his view. So he was clearly someone who was persuaded of the need to let people out on compassionate grounds. But now that we've had a case where it seems to have gone wrong, he's flipped over and changed his mind. And just the the day um, 
before those new cases were revealed. Heather Duplessy-Allen in her daily editorial was arguing for more opening up of the country's borders. And uh, she even said, now's the time to take risks, make our expensive lockdown pay for itself as much as we can. And I don't think she was talking about health risks, political ones. But you know, I, I don't think you can stridently say, you know, we need to use our progress, open things up and then kind of be surprised when something you've argued for, these compassionate exemptions, end up possibly going wrong. Yeah, they don't want to look back to what they've said last week, though, Colin. Yeah, I know. I mean, they may I'm, be held accountable. I know, but the, this is the thing. I mean, now they've got the, a stick. It's all a stick to beat the ministry with because it appears protocols weren't being followed. And some of those stories on News Hub at 6 tonight are Michael Mora exclusive about, I think, 10 people uh, allowed out before their quarantine was over to go to a funeral attended by 150 people. I mean, that's, that's great reporting. That's what we need to know. But this constant shifting of positions and arguing for things really strongly and then really not ever bothering to go back and re-examine whether you you know you, what you said was right or not uh, in the context of what's happened because the more people that come into the country the more uh, there will be applications for um, compassionate uh, compassionate exemptions to go to funerals or to see uh, terminally ill relatives. Uh, there will be more sites, Ashley Bloomfield did say that yesterday, more sites around the country which will need to be really tightly governed. So it's inevitable uh, that things will go wrong somewhere along the line. And uh, yeah, I think the commentators who talk about the government having a heart and the officials and so on, um, I think they, they need to pay more attention to that. TVNZ, uh, job cuts. Yeah, a lot of those, which is, um, uh, this is a worry, and we don't know exactly where they're going to fall. Uh, but there was a, one little bright spot, which was that New Zealand On Air, very quietly, uh, the government broadcasting funding agency, announced that it's going to boost uh, the funding for the local democracy reporting service, which was a pilot scheme last year where one million bucks of public money went into employ, uh, employing eight reporters in newspaper newsrooms around the country. And so, yeah, very quietly last week they said that's going up to $1.5 million. So what was a pilot now becomes a, a kind of, uh, well, a semi-permanent scheme, I guess. And with $1.5 million, they're going to expand it to 12 reporters. So, yeah, 12 permanently employed reporters in newspaper newsrooms off the public purse, uh, but reporting local news where otherwise, with uh, you know diminished coverage and resources, there may not have been professional journalists reporting local stuff. Which is good, but it's not a lot of money, is it, 1.5? Well, no, it's not. And it's weird that there's kind of strange rule of thumb here. So they've got $1 million to set up the pilot, eight reporters. Now they're saying 1.5. Well, you know, almost 50% more, 50% more reporters. You know, I'm not quite sure. It seems a bit random the way they're doing the maths. It's a small thing, uh, but, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of crossing a line in a sense that we've never had actual newspaper reporters paid for out of the public purse before, like we do with broadcasting. Um, and the scheme is now, I think, entrenched. And the minister had said, look, this is one of the things we can do, even though everyone's waiting to see what their second big uh, rescue package, uh, which is due before very long, uh, will be. But this was one thing he'd signalled that they could do. So it, it, my, my worry is that really it shows up just how ad hoc their their policies are so far. We, we need to get these future-focused things, if they're going to mash up TVNZ and RNZ, all these things they've talked about, uh, we, we need to know. But this kind of ad hoc funding with um, small amounts of money announced year to year via a fund like New Zealand on air, you know, it's not, it's not really a good solution. But for those places where they don't have enough reporters, uh, this is certainly going to help.
And I should add, 1.5 is not going to be split up amongst four reporters. That no, no, no. That's, that's to employ the entire 12. And RNZ administers uh, the scheme here. And all the stories they create go to RNZ or pretty much any outlet that wants them. It's a, it's a kind of a collaborative thing in terms of the output anyway uh, that's freely available. So that, that's the idea behind it. Um, so that is something that, that may grow as, you know, we know the media's got uh, problems going forward funding um, news coverage all over the place. And TVNZ also uh, looking at its lineup, and they're going to ask us whether we think some programs should be taken off air. <laughs> well, I wonder they will. This is in response <laughs> They've to. They've never asked us about anything else before. No, I well, they've been prompted, haven't they? Like a lot of people have by uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the response to it. Um, so we've heard in uh, recent days things like Little Britain uh, shows that employed. Uh, you know, blackface and things like that. They've been pulled from um, certain online platforms and UK TV probably made the most headlines. That's a, a, a subscriber channel available here on Sky. Uh, they took out, uh, for a short time anyway, um, a Faulty Towers episode, which had a rather immortal contribution uh, using some racist language from that old Doddery character, The Major. Um, so that initially was pulled. Uh, then there was a backlash, so they restored it. And, you know, quite a lot of interesting commentary on this because if people have pointed out that uh, now notorious gag by The Major was actually an anti-racist joke, uh, poking fun at, you know, an old elite chap of that age and that time in the late 70s. So actually what people were getting offended by was the mere presence of the language. But you look at it more closely and you find it it is actually a sort of anti, well, it's, it's a woke joke from a time before wokeness existed. Well, that word's out of fashion now. <laughs> so, I hope so. So uh, do we just uh, text them, do we? Write to them? Well, I, email I, I, them. I don't know if TVNZ serious about this, but uh, a TVNZ report by Kim Baker-Wilson, they did say, uh, you know, we will be open to this, and if people have issues with anything they see in, uh, in our channels that they think might need to be removed or looked at, we will certainly be willing to do it. And uh, uh, let's see if they really want to follow through on this. But I don't know if there is a great deal of appetite for um, trawling the New Zealand archives to root out things that may just possibly cause offence because, um, you know, in, in the light of, of day, years and years after they were produced, they now look a bit uh, out of date. Colin, that's all we've got time for tonight, but thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Sure thing. Or Hayden Donnell. That's Colin Peacock with Midweek Media Watch.